Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and welcome to our conversation with Mick Bain of Sydney's Royal Albert Hotel. A long-time hospitality professional, Mick bought the Albert in 2011 and has since turned it into one of Australia's top craft beer venues. A passionate advocate for independently brewed beer, Mick has also recently taken a minor stake in the West Australian brewery, Beer Farm in Margaret River. He's never short of an opinion, so Pete Mitchum, Matt Kirkegaard and I took the chance to get some of his insights on our recent Sydney tour. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, Mick Bain, thanks very much for having us at um, the Royal Albert Hotel. No worries. Great to have you guys here. Such uh, an early start for uh, being in a pub as well. For people who don't know um, your story, how long have you had the Albert for? And you know, how did you get into um, the beer industry and the publican game? Uh, so basically, we've had the Albert now for seven years. Um, my career in hospitality started originally in five-star hotels, but then um, very quickly... Um, switched to normal pubs with uh, I was a group food and beverage manager for Keystone for five years um, which is kind of where I got involved in craft beer like starting the Aussie Beer Festival uh, and dealing with craft beer there in very small capacity but yeah it was good. I remember um, going to the Albert you know many 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 years ago and it was sort of a dodgy corner pub um, is that is that what it was like when you got here seven years ago? <laughs> yeah, Surrey Hills was very colourful back at that point. And um, yeah, basically we were, I, I frame it as a, a dirty old man's pub. Um, literally a whole heap of bar flies in the front bar, uh, smashing um, pretty mainstream kind of beers. And so how early in the piece did you start um, turning it into what is now, you know, 100%, I suppose, independent craft beer at, at the moment? Uh, pretty much from the get-go. We we never really aligned ourselves with any tap contracts or anything like that from the start. Um, obviously, seven years ago, there wasn't that much available in Sydney. We kind of started with a lot of Cooper's products. We had Cooper's Clear, uh, Red, um, Green, uh, and even Light and stuff like that. And then kind of started with Red Oak and, and a few other local ones. And then um, probably about six months in, kind of started with companies like Feral and a few other bits and pieces. What was the reaction of the uh, locals at that stage? Oh, I pretty much drove them out the door, but that was kind of deliberate. They pretty much, they, as soon as I went that craft beer route, they, um, yeah, they no longer kind of drank here. They went to some surrounding pubs around me, which was fine with me. It was part of our business model and part of our strategy to, uh, to go that way. You've, you know, been one of the pubs that's yeah, definitely favoured pushing the independent um, craft beer and it's obviously been a very interesting few uh, months in the industry with the sale of Four Pines, then Feral, then Pirate Life. Where does that leave you? Have you been like Corey Crooks and taken down your um, Pirate Life signs and your Feral signs or do you, well, actually you've still got some, some branding outside the pub so you've got to paint over that if you're planning on doing as Corey does. Yeah, um, yeah, we're just, we're kind of just taking it slowly, slowly with that at the moment. Um, I, I still fully believe in the, the whole independent um, side of the beer market that we've always pushed but I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens with some of those bigger guys just in the respect that we're kind of waiting to see what they do I guess my biggest issue that I have with kind of a bigger company buying it out is that the beers that we were known for 
um, then become kind of more mainstream and doesn't give us a point of difference. So that's probably the big thing I'm just waiting to see. Like if you took Feral and Tusk, for instance, if Tusk was to pop up in 15, 20 other venues around Australia, I would probably kind of walk away from it. Mick, speaking to um, a lot of other publicans, one thing uh, that's becoming clear in terms of sort of, I guess, a trend is that back in the early days, I'm guessing this probably happened with you, you'd put beers on and then people would come in and go, oh, you know, this is interesting, I'll I'll try that, I haven't heard of that. Whereas now it's kind of, I guess, moving the other way a little bit and people are coming in saying, oh, can you get or do you know of or have you heard of? Is there a bit of a a shift in, uh, I guess, rather than us delivering what we hope the customer will like, the customer's now kind of, not demanding, but I I guess changing the the narrative a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a few changes in the respect at... At one point when Lion um, went really hard with James Squires, we actually had customers in coming in asking for 150 lashes. And for me, that was a bit of a turning point in the respect that obviously the consumers were getting more into style and things like that. Whereas before it was your, your VB, your Carlton Draft or your Tui's New, very quickly became Pale Ale, um, IPA and those like probably more style orientated um, and I think people now, for me, it's a bit. It's even like chili. I think it, people are building a bit of a tolerance to hops, as they have with chili. We all grew up not eating chili and not eating Thai food and all that kind of stuff. And so now we all do it. We've got a bit of a tolerance to chili. I think the same thing is happening with hops. I think it's people are more can tolerate more hops and more bitterness. Um, so I think that's also kind of shifted a little bit as well. What are the beer styles that? that sell well here is it always the <clears throat> pale ales and ipas that people are going for uh yeah definitely i like if you averaged it out like pale ale to be honest with you probably pale ale and ipa would literally be three to one four to one um so it's it's quite high um we've kind of got 16 taps out here so you can you can kind of do the maths on that when you when you equate it out it's uh it's a very very high percentage of our beer would be those two styles for sure Mate, you're a bit of a beacon here, obviously. You've got a great selection of taps, regularly changing, giving people a reason to come in. Is this a model that you think that other publicans can just automatically pick up and you know, if they build it, people will come? Or is it something that you do have to nurture and you do have to grow and the craft beer market isn't so mainstream that every pub uh, around here could do what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think we we are in a bit of a, a niche market and a little bit of a bubble, being obviously right in the middle of the the CBD of Sydney and kind of where it all started. But um, I think there are a lot of old school publicans that might have rather large tap contracts and stuff, and I think even they are realising that there's a real need for craft beer in their venue. So uh, a lot of them are starting with you know, say they've got twenty taps, they're starting with a bank of six. Um, and I think with the acquisition of um, some of the big craft guys to the bigger companies, I think that will open that up probably a little bit quicker. Um, but I think even in bottle shops, you're seeing bottle shops attached to pubs and even heavily contracted pubs, and they're all pushing craft into their fridges. Because even when you go to a, a local barbecue with friends now, I think you're seeing them turn up with a, a six-pack of Pirate Life or Young Henry's, or, but that just didn't happen before. And I think that's a real shift. Do you think there is a thirst for independence or do you think it's a thirst for flavour? I think it's, for me, it's, it's a bit of both, but it's also, there's a real quality thing around that, I think, as well. And, 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 you know, and some of the independents 
um, don't have necessarily have the money and and the infrastructure and the policies and procedures to to get the quality where some of the big guys do. But I think when you kind of look at it, it'll be interesting to see where it kind of... I think everyone's expecting and demanding a bit more quality. Um, And one of the things I'd like to see is kind of going back to being old school publicans where, you know, staff training was important, um, beer lines were clean everything was well maintained because it was kind of like that's how it was just done in the day and I think we've kind of we've lost a bit of that in probably the last five or ten years it's interesting to hear you say that because I probably don't remember a time when staff training was done by the publican um in in a day where it was you had a contract with one of the big two players they would have somebody that came in and cleaned the lines. They would have somebody that would uh, sort of teach the staff about the new products. And it was very much the big brewers and a lot of publicans that I, I still hear. Um, so say, well, you know, it's not my job to, to do those sorts of things if you want to pour the beer through the, the, the lines. Has the industry or have some elements of the, um, the hotel industry become very reliant on their big brewery support and that they don't know how to do it for themselves, do you think? Um, yeah, probably, and probably it's also a financial thing as well. Like it, it takes time to clean beer lines. It takes time to train staff. Um, you need to pay them. You, you know all those kind of things as well. So it, it may even just be a financial thing as well, which has probably squeezed that out a little bit. Where you know there probably was a little bit more fat, um, and especially even with the support of poker machine. Like in New South Wales, I guess it's a bit different because we've got the support of poker machines, kind of behind most of us in hotels so um but i think as as over time it's getting tighter and tighter and money's getting tighter and tighter i think that's probably um also been part of it but yeah i I just think a lot of it has been kind of lost and just pushed to the side because you know even back in my day when i first started in public like i was taught by the public and how to pour beers like it was a real focus and it's just i think a lot of people are, are kind of getting on this good beer craft beer whatever you want to call it bandwagon but not realizing that it's it's quite intricate there's a lot more to it than just pouring a mainstream draft beer one of the things that you've spoken to me about in the past is um pubs with huge tap lists that um that shouldn't have so many taps um you've got how many is it 16 or something like that well kind of 14 main beer taps um and for me um i think you've you know you've heard me say this before james it's kind of like even if i was to open a brand new craft beer bar from scratch i don't think i'd go any more than 10 to 12 um you can still run a really balanced list you can have some cans and bottles and um it's it's really hard for us to manage even 12 taps so anyone with more than 12 taps and and kind of no experience would be in real trouble as far as quality goes you spoke a little bit there about you know about fat and, and about price and, and that sort of thing. Bruce News a couple of weeks ago sort of looked at the the story of um, introductory prices, if you like, or you know very low prices for um, for for kegs, sort of to I guess as an offer as an incentive to sort of get people to perhaps try new beers. Um, are you finding as a publican there's more um, with with I guess fewer tap points available to to the the, the growing legion of independent brewers? that there are more sort of, I guess, incentives? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, as everyone knows, um, there's obviously some fairly aggressive prices out there and some pretty amazing deals. Um, I guess it, it kind of just depends. Again, it kind of comes down to a, a quality or if, if you're just in it for straight-out profit, um, then that's probably a very attractive option. Um, whereas someone like 
here at the Albert, it's kind of like for us, it's probably more about quality, more about freshness of product. And from the breweries that are punching out those sort of beers and products, like those deals really aren't available. Um, you know, they back their quality, they back their testing, um, they backing their staff and their brewers and their training. Um, and I guess for me, that's kind of what you pay for at the end of the day. If there happens to be one or two publicans listening to this podcast who uh, are in, I guess, mainstream beer pubs that don't have craft or independent beer, if you were to put on, say, a, a tap of a mainstream sort of beer, what would be the cost comparison per keg to get uh, I, mainstream beer versus a... Yeah, I think um, when you're looking, if you're looking at the actual, if you're comparing apples with apples and you're, and you're comparing a list price... Um, I think this is a very interesting point in that if you're looking at the list price of a very mainstream draft beer against, a, say, a craft lager um, or some sort of craft um, basic bitter or something that's an equivalent, um, a Kolsch or whatever, um, I would actually say, and especially with some of the competitiveness of craft, the independent brewers in Australia at the moment, um, is that if you looked at the list price dollar for dollar, you'd probably be looking at, I reckon, probably 10 to 15% cheaper for the craft product. And I think, but the big thing for the publican is they could actually, VB Carlton Draft 2 is new, um, or Coopers are very price pointable. So people know what a schooner of Carlton Draft sells for at the pub down the road. Whereas if I put on even a Four Pints Kolsch, which is owned essentially by the same company, it would kind of, it would be a dollar or two dollars more expensive and the consumer and the customer probably wouldn't question that pricing at all. So there are possibly publicans out there who are steering away from craft thinking, no, it's too expensive. I can get much better deals, you know, uh, rebates and and all that sort of thing. But when you look at it on a, a keg versus keg basis, A, the publican can actually possibly buy that keg cheaper than he can the, the Carlton Draft, for example. But secondly, he can also charge more for it and therefore make a better margin per yeah, unit. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's also dollar margin. Like, it's not just a, a percentage margin. Like, you're actually talking about banking more dollars. Like, if you're selling a VB for $5 and you're selling a Four Pines uh, Colch for $7.50, like, at the end of the day, you've got more dollars going to the bank. But it's interesting that you, you mentioned the point about the uh, pokies supporting a venue. Could you run a venue like this if you didn't have the, the, the pokies out the back? Uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely could. It's, it's, it's never been a huge focus for us. Um, but I think there are a lot of other big pubs out there when you look at, you know, you just look at the day-to-day bills like the electricity and the water these days, like none of it's going down. Um, you know, insurance, all those sort of things going up and up and up. I think, you know, especially in a larger venue, like they're huge costs. Um, and I think, you know, we are quite lucky in New South Wales that, you know, they a lot of those pubs have that support of pokies. But yeah, it's never been a real big focus for us. If we lost them tomorrow, like we, we'd definitely still be okay. It's, it's not a huge focus for us, but it's probably a bit more of a comfort thing for, you know, I think if, if smoking bans came in across completely across New South Wales and you couldn't smoke in poker machine areas, I reckon there'd be some pubs that would probably hurt quite badly from that. Have you thought of getting rid of them? 
Yeah, we kind of have. I think uh, the thing for us, it's still an, like they're a huge asset because the actual license itself is worth a lot of money. So we would never get rid of them completely. What you can actually do is put them into storage. So, you know, maybe in the next year or so, we'll, if we get to that point, we're kind of like, well, we might just put them in storage for six months. Do the, do the poker machine room up as some sort of speakeasy, have a bit of fun kind of craft bar and then give it a try. People don't go to the pub the way they once did. Um, pubs are more about entertainment. Craft beer is one of the things that our venues can use is the entertainment. With the number of breweries that have opened up that have a retail presence, do you find that they're starting to put some competition um, to traditional pubs because you know, you're, you're drinking beer in amongst the stainless and so there's a part of the entertainment. You're having an experience and not just a beer. Do you think the rise of the brewery bar is going to start putting the bite on some of the straight out pubs? Yes and no. I, th- I think um, I think especially in Sydney and having b- gone through that whole growth period and explosion of breweries popping up, um, one thing I do find that has been really good in that respect is, yeah, okay, it's probably a bit of a competition and, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by Wayward, Young Henry's, uh, Batch, Sauce, Grifter, um, but I still have really good relationships with all of those breweries. What I think it has done is um, open more people up quicker to drinking good beer because it's, the breweries have become a bit of a social scene. And what it's then done for me is the majority of people have probably been to a brewery now. Whereas if five years ago you said, if you asked seven out 100,000 people and said, have you been to a brewery? I reckon you'd be lucky if two said yes. Um, you know, it wasn't until I worked at Keystone that I actually went to Lion Nathan and and um, and had a look at things like that. Like I'd never even been into it, and then obviously being here with the start of Young Henry's, which was one of the first ones um, to kind of open their cellar door. Um, you know, now it's just the norm. Whereas before, I don't think anyone had even been to a brewery and hadn't seen the stainless steel, and certainly hadn't you know the sounds, the smell, everything that kind of goes along with it and now you know with the food trucks and some of the breweries are introducing kitchens I think it, it'll it'll become even more so so kind of in a way it, it adds to to your offering you know in, in the area rather than being yeah I don't yeah I you know I mean I'm sure if I had a brewery right next door um it could be a different issue but I, I probably don't think so though I think it's I think it's just been good for the industry that that people can access it um Things like Dave's Brewery Tours, taking more people around to them. The breweries themselves doing tours and, and educational um, pieces, I think, is just awesome. Just on that, and you know, I don't want to blow our own trumpet, but I'm sure we do have a little bit to do, I guess, with, um, with the education process in terms of particularly new drinkers. Do you find it's, a, it's not an easier sell, but there are, you get fewer of those, you know, what's a Kolsch or what does IPA stand for than, than you did, say, even you know, three, four years ago? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, the, even the online presence of the, the craft beer world in, in kind of the last three years is just phenomenal. It's um, you guys, Crafty Pint. Um, there's an endless um, supply, like even now tapped, um, kind of coming into Australia. And we use it here in the venue um, for all of our menus and updating Facebook, our website, and educating people on what beers we've got on tap live. Um, I think that whole aspect of the craft beer industry has been phenomenal. So we've talked a little bit, about, I guess, about you know the, the rise of social media and the way that that's impacted the beer community. What's what's next? Like as a publican, what uh, what what's on your wish list? What would you love to sort of 
fast forward two years, you go, it's the start of 2020, say, and you go, well, this is really good. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I reckon definitely, we just spoke about it before, quality assurance programs and and training from whether it's big guys um, or even the smaller independent breweries, I think should be, uh, the consumer should be, well, I think the consumer will demand um, quality and I think so we need to help drive that. Um, we'll be doing some more traditional, going back to old school, like doing proper cask um, and cask conditioning some beers. There's a lot of hand pumps and things around town, which we think should be, you know, go back to old school, good quality, fresh beer. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of do that as well. So be, I think they're probably two of the big things I'd like to kind of see. As a publican, is there a rich man in waiting out there somewhere who can develop a, I guess, a thermostat on a tap? So if you put, so for example, so you've got, uh, is it Foghorn's Sligo? Yeah. To be able to turn that temperate, well, you know, the, the glycol system down a little bit so you can actually get that at, say, seven or eight degrees rather than three or four. Yeah, look, you know, and that, I think that's just a, a bank balance thing. If, if you've got if you've got the money, you could chuck some money at that right now and you, and you could definitely um, get a, get away with those things. You know, I've seen garage projects have done some amazing things with beer systems and bits and pieces, and I think, you know, that technology will definitely be more... I mean, all the technology on that in the whole brewing industry I think is changing and you know things like iPads and and all those sort of things it's like you know a lot of stuff can be controlled now so it's kind of like I think yeah the technology you'll see go quickly and and the price of it drops down whereas before it was probably more expensive are you old enough out of interest to have been taken down the cellar with the cellar master in a, in one of those old pubs down into the the stone cellar and, and have to actually put spears into kegs? Oh no! When I was when I first started in TAFE, they were still they had spears in the cool rooms back in that point, um, and there was quite a few dints in the ceilings and um, and things like that for some for for some students, but. Pretty much by the time I kind of got out of TAFE and then into the actual industry, like that was pretty much gone. So, but in saying that, you go around a lot of cellars and there was always a lot of spare parts lying around in corners and bits and pieces, and you're kind of looking at the spears and <laughs> bits and pieces. It was very interesting. Mick, you've also taken an interest in a brewery. Maybe you could tell us about that. Um, yeah, it was kind of like everyone's been asking me about other venues and and things like that and obviously um i've got a bit of a relationship with the guys from beer farm in wa in metric um my wife's from there so i was kind of like I, I had an opportunity to um to take some equity in that uh and then also looking at um just cementing um some distribution and uh and sales in new south wales has that been a conflict at all you know in terms of you, how you choose your own, you know, your beers here, and also dealing with other um, venues. Do they sort of see you as being a competitor um, to them? Uh, probably no more than normal. Um, we again, we've got a, you know, I've, I guess I should say, I here because it's it's me more than the pub or or beer farm. It was kind of like um, I've got a good relationship with a lot of the strong craft beer venues around me, and we. Because we are so close, um, we try and stay away from each other's beers. And if we're doing a, a certain beer event, we, um, we'll move it or we won't do the event. Like, cause it's kind of like, it's one of those, it's almost like a mutual respect thing, I think. And I think having run the pub and got the pub to where it is as far as beer quality goes, I think that kind of also helps me probably and gains a bit more respect when I actually go out into the industry and, um, and try and get people to try Beer Farm and, uh, and do that. 
as I guess Matt from Brisbane, myself from Melbourne, um, more recently, I guess we look at Sydney and we think of, you know, going to bed early, you know, the lockout laws and, and all that sort of thing. Talk us through that. How's, how's it working and, and how can it improve? Um, I think well, we've already seen some laxing of the laws. Um, I think it's probably brought the consumer or the, the customers out a little bit earlier um, enjoying some more drinks. I think what it has, where it has probably hurt us is um, we find that uh, we're licensed till midnight. So going back two or three years ago, we'd be kicking a lot more people out at close than we are now. So it's kind of like people are coming in, having dinner, having a few drinks, and then either moving on to another venue outside the lockout zone um, or just calling it quits and going home. So, I mean, obviously assaults are down, Although, and you kind of can't argue with those figures, but um, luckily for us, they've kind of laxed those laws a little bit now. Not so much for um, pubs and those sort of venues, but small bars. Um, small bars have had their capacity up from 60 to 100 if they want to apply for it. Um, and small bars can also now open till 2 a.m., which is, um, again, when we're working with other venues, it's kind of like we close at midnight, but bit of few can now close at 2 a.m. Um, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or whatever. So it means that, you know, people can still enjoy a good craft beer um, later at night. So at, at this point, you know, yeah, we have kind of become a bit of a nanny state, but they are trying to lax it and it's kind of, I think it's just slowly, slowly. CDS um, has created a little bit of a, a stink, but your take on that is that whilst the official line is beers may go up by 14 cents a unit, that it's going to be closer to 60 cents. Um, do you want to talk us through that? Um, yeah, I think I think what a lot of people are speaking about in the media is, um, you know, between 10 and 14 cents. But I think if, if you actually step back and have a look at um, the hotel, the hospitality industry, or most industries, um, it's, it's all based on a percentage, um, a GP, a margin. Um, so the media is all talking about 14 cents on a base on a base price but that means me at the albert i i'm paying an extra three four dollars per case um and then but when you multiply that out to to maintain the same margin you're basically yeah almost timesing it by four so it's it's probably just under 60 cents um now the publicans i tell you right now won't absorb won't absorb that so i think the biggest problem with this whole scheme is the consumer is absolutely going to pay at the end of the day um and even we're getting stung a little bit in the respect that um we already pay for recycling we introduce cans and and recycling so that we can cut down on our waste and save some money because recycling was kind of cheaper but now i'm paying per unit for recycling and now I've and I've still got to pay for my recycling bins out in the rubbish area so um, yeah it's just it's really not well thought out someone really needs to go back to the drawing board and sort it out because at the end of the day the, the consumer is definitely going to pay for it did you consider or were you offered the opportunity of, of being a collection point uh, no not at all um, and from what I've heard um, someone was telling me last night actually that um, two or three of the collection points um, that were around this area have already pulled out because it's just caused too much carnage too much rubbish in their area filling their cardboard bins like it's been an absolute nightmare and the idea of this game initially was to reduce litter yeah and no, <laughs> it's certainly not doing that at this point Mick, just um, spiralling back a little bit towards the, the whole question of independence. And, uh, you know, we, we have seen some notable takeovers this year. 
Um, there's a, a survey that comes out uh, that seems to suggest that consumers care passionately about independence. As a publican, what, what's your thoughts? Do you think that independence actually matters if the Independent Brewers Association brings out a logo that can go on beers um, to signify their independence? Will that matter? Or at the end of the day, um, do consumers like the idea of independence, but will just buy beers that they like at a good price? I think that's probably one of the big things, I think. But taking one step back on that is, um, I don't know if the consumers, it's not that I don't care. I, I, I really doubt whether the consumers actually know. In our world, we're seeing all the social media, we're seeing all the reports, like, does, you know, does Pirate Life or Feral selling is it hitting where craft beer is starting to grow out west like or do they do they actually know or do they care are are probably two different things because i just i think a lot of people don't know so if you were to do a a seal to say that it was independent i think you need to educate people first to what that seal means because um otherwise i think it is absolutely pointless because it's like i don't think people will care so i think it's, it's an education piece and then let them make the call from there. All right, mate. Well, thanks very much for um, taking the time to chat with us and um, best of luck for the future with the Royal Albert. No worries, guys. And uh, thanks for the job you're doing and getting uh, the news out to everyone out there as well because I think it does, like we said earlier, I think it really helps us too. So thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mick. Cheers. <laughs> That was Mick Bain. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation, please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next time for another conversation about beer. Beer.